Well, hello, hello, hello. I'd like to start this week's Podman Rock first, though, uh, with a shout out to Rinky Dinking fan Andrew, uh, who I came across in a, in a parking lot here in Frisco, wanted me to play nicer with Mike Heike on the podcast. Well, Andrew, we just got rid of Mike. <laughs> He's not available this week. But we have here for us a one-on-one Podman Rush with Dallas Morning News scribe Matt DeFranks. Thanks for agreeing to do this, Matthew. You go by Matthew, Matt, Matty? I go by Matty sometimes. Matt, when spoken, Matthew written down. It's a weird thing. I don't like the way Matt DeFranks looks. It looks too informal, like when it's written down as a byline. But Matthew feels like I'm being scolded all the time. Yes. So very parental. Yeah. So I just go with Matt when it's like out loud and Matthew written down. And some people call me Maddie anyways. Does Maddie tick people off though in your extended family and that? It's not Maddie. Uh no, my my sister actually called okay. me Maddie. My parents right. call me Matthew. Though. I'm gonna go with Matt today. Yeah. Uh, I tried to access your your bio on the morning news page. Uh it was firewalled or paywalled. <laughs> and uh so I just clicked off. Uh, give us the live version. Who are you? So this is my fourth year in Dallas now, uh, originally from Miami. Went to Notre Dame, covered some baseball in between graduating and, and moving to South Florida to cover the Panthers. So fifth year covering the NHL, fourth year covering Dallas, um, and kind of some baseball in between. Some stops in LA, some stops in Kansas City, Miami, uh, a lot of different outlets written Wowzer. for. Yeah, it's but kind of been all over the place. Uh, how, did, how did you swim into hockey? So when I was in South Florida, working for the Sun Sentinel, I was covering uh, Florida Atlantic football. So Conference USA college football team. Uh, they went three and nine the year that I covered them. <laughs> and then by other coach hired Lane Kiffin. So uh-huh. Lane Kiffin was kind of bringing some eyeballs to the university. And that was kind of where I wanted to be. And um, the Sun Sentinel let go of the, the Panthers writer, uh, I guess uh, the way the newspapers are, right? Right. And so they moved me from FAU football to covering the Panthers. Um, really enjoyed my one year down there in Florida covering hockey, uh, but saw that the way the paper was going, I wasn't traveling. Um, they don't even cover the Panthers anymore. Uh, neither of the papers in South Florida Unreal, do. Eh? So I saw the way that was going and, and saw that that, uh, that good old Mike Heike opened up this job for me. Yes. So uh, ended up here. Wow. Yeah, the the truth. What is the saying? The the truth is paywalled. Uh, conspiracies <laughs> is, is, is that what it is? Li- yeah, the truth <laughs> is paywalled. Lies, rumors, and conspiracies are free. <laughs> <laughs> that is so today. Okay, about last night. We don't usually just break down one game, but we're yeah. doing this on a Thursday morning after the grandeur of most of the game, and then the thud punch to the gut at the end of that one. You know, you look at it, full squad, at home, uh, early dominance in the hockey game. I thought we'd be seeing this sort of uh, collective efflorescence of offense from the group for the first time Mm -hmm. this year. And they created chances again, and we'll get deeper into that here in a second. Uh, But it was was the same same outcome, similar outcome to what we've seen a lot. Yeah, I, I turned to someone like mid game, like during the second period, like they they needed a game like this. They needed this. They looked really good. They were they were playing like there wasn't any lulls in their game exactly until, until maybe the, the late in the second period uh, when Vegas got going a little bit. Uh, but you know there there wasn't like that that fall asleep stuff that had happened in Columbus. It's funny you in, say that. I had somebody 
I think it was the Ottawa game. A friend mm-hmm. of mine who was at the game uh, just hit me up on on a text and goes, "Some of your big boys are sleepy," <laughs> and, and it's kind of the way it's been, right? Little naps within the game. Yeah, like there's period long just kind of disappearances. You know, I mean, saw bones blow up in Columbus, and Did he ever, and you know, the first two periods against Los Angeles, uh, second period in New York, first one in Boston. Like there's every game, it seems like there was one of those, and last night there there wasn't for. A long time and then you know the end of the game happens <laughs> we see we see that the one time been march or so and then the overtime turnover and kind of dadding off putting it away it was one of those games where you could look at at the other team and say okay that's what the stars have been dealing with you know last year you could say all right the schedule was bad and vegas is on the second night of back-to-back they flew in late they're playing a backup goalie they're without stone tuck patcheretti carrier goes down yanmark patrick they're missing all these guys. And that's that's what the stars were going through, right? Yeah. And you thought the outcome should have been different because they were a healthy team against what the stars had been going through. And it just was uh, was kind of more of the same a little bit. So it, it was encouraging through the first two periods because they played so well. But you, you felt a little empty afterward because it, yeah. it was a story you'd seen before. And it's at home. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, hurts even more. You can just feel it. It was visceral within the mm-hmm. building. It's yeah. like two late mistakes and all that good was just wiped out. I know they get a point out of it, but that certainly didn't feel like right. a loser point last night. Yeah. It just felt like a loss. Like, like Vegas didn't deserve one point. No. Yeah. And they got two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stars have, it swings back around. The stars have done that before. Mm-hmm. You've been uh, a little bit uh, borderline sarcastic on, on Twitter from time to time with another game going to overtime and another game going to overtime. Uh, and I laugh about that. Since the beginning of last season, 40% of their games have gone past 60 minutes. 40%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's worse for me because I'm on deadline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so last night I had, a, I had a story written, you know, and I was like, all right. How does that work? How does that work? So I had, I had a, you know, the, the story that we were just talking about how they played well and, you know, they were healthy again. Uh, they finally put together a, a pretty complete game and then, and then it wasn't. <laughs> so. Marsha so stores with a minute and two seconds left. I take what I had written, I move it to another document, and I start writing the loss story. So the first one was a win because that was kind of what it was trending towards, right? So 62 seconds left, I take everything and move it over, change words around, move paragraphs around, add sentences in um, to kind of reflect if they do lose. <laughs> and so I'm working on that. They're called hedging your bets. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So I had so I had two stories going, and uh, like so, if if Glenn Denning buries that chance right. in in the final minute, then that loss file just disappears in, into the the gamer graveyard, right? Uh, <laughs> and instead, the win file did. So I so just, it was extra work for Matt DeFranks, is yes, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And so my deadline last night was 10:05. I think the game ended at 10:06, um, and so I had to send in the loss file uh, right when it ended and head downstairs for interviews. Man, so. So you, you bring up Glenn Denning. Isn't it just a microcosm of what's going on with this team offensive? If he scores that goal, he leads the Stars in goal scoring outright by himself. Yeah. Two weeks plus yeah. into the season. <laughs> you it's got, like You got a two-goal game last night. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, really? Really. Which brings us to the Stars' ongoing scoring constipation, uh, which you've written about, especially five-on-five. Five. and. Uh, you know, it's 
they're averaging a goal a game less this year than they did last year when they were missing a bunch of pieces with their offense. So what, what do you see when you have looked throughout the past, really, four years almost now, uh, where they struggle to finish off the oodles of good scoring opportunities that they create? Yeah, it's it's tough for me to look at this team and, and think of them in the same way I do the previous ones. Uh, just for the mix is different, right? So last year, Hintz is a point-per-game player. Robertson is a Calder runner-up. They didn't have that when Sagan and Radulov were 70-point players two years ago. And so you would wonder, hey, if you have both of these, maybe it's better. Uh, it hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't been. You know, and they, the last three years, from I think from 18 to 21, five-on-five five shooting percentage is the worst in the league. Yeah. And that's, that's, not, a, that's not a luck thing at that point. Because a lot of times you'd want to look at shooting percentage and say, they're getting unlucky. You know, the average is 9.1% or 9.8 or whatever it is. And they're shooting six and a half or something. And you say, well, it lots got to turn at some point. And a little bit of that this year, you think about it because they're, they're shooting like 4% now <laughs> instead of the six Which and a half. Which is not sustainable. No, right. I mean, even if you shoot the lead worst six and a half percent up from four point whatever they are this year, that's a couple more goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not sustainable, yeah, know, but, but you're like, well, how, how high does it go? Um, so it, it is a struggle for them. And this year they're creating less. Like last year you could say, all right, they were a middling offensive team, pretty good defensive team still. And so they had positive possession numbers, but this year they're not creating anything and they're not finishing when they are save for, for last night in terms of creation. Right. They created a ton last night. Yeah. And it's just tough to, to watch and think that this will turn that pucks will go in without some sort of change in, in personnel or tactics. Okay. Well, you know, I go back to, uh, 2018, you know, the season after Hitch's one year mm-hmm. tenure here. And if you go through it five on five, like most of your game is played full strength five on five, they rank in those years, fifth lowest under Monty's first year, second lowest in the Montgomery bones hybrid year. I think they were seventh lowest uh, in scoring five on five last year. And now this year, second? They might be. Maybe dead last. Maybe dead last. It's either them or Chicago, I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm reminded of the art of war, right? The invincibility lies in the defense, the possibility of victory in the attack, which I always have in the back of my head. And I was thinking of that as that LA game was going on on opening night at American Airlines Center, because it re- really was about that. I mean, Holtby was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they, they would have been chasing right. that score big time. Uh, but they hung in, they hang in, they hang in, and then possibility of victory in the attack, boom, they score and get it done. Because uh, that water pistol offense is offset by the fact that if you include the year that Hitch was here, which was really the turnaround for this franchise defensively, mm-hmm. And you look at the Boston Bruins are the only team in this span that has a better goals against average than the Stars. And you're talking about under three different coaches and what, five, maybe six goaltenders that they've utilized? Five at least, yeah, for sure. So, I I mean, it's somewhat perplexing for everybody, I think, for us that follow it. You you keep 
I'm like you. I, I keep waiting for the worm to turn, so to speak, where mm -hmm. you're like, well, eventually this just ratchets up, does it not? But it's like over and over and over again. It's the same thing. Yeah, and, and, I, and you, you have to wonder how much the line of, of Jamie Benn and, and Tyler Sagan have to do with that. You know, Jamie for the last three years has been a 50 to 55 point score across an 82 game season. That's kind of just what he's been the last few years. And you know, that's fine if you're, you know, a third line guy, but he's, he's not supposed to be a third line guy, right? Uh, and Tyler, you, know, you could look at some of the injuries that maybe he's had, uh, how much it bothered him in 1920, because even that year his numbers were down. Yeah. Um, you know, in 18. He said he hasn't felt fully healthy since like New Year's Eve of 2018. Yeah. In, eight, in 1819, uh, I know there was a little midseason, you know, <laughs> uh, criticism, but he finished yeah. pretty, pretty well. Yeah. He finished pretty well. Mm -hmm. He was almost a point per game guy mm -hmm. in that year. So it really has been a, a more recent tick down for, for him, but you wonder how much their, their declines have to do with the overall decline in scoring with the stars as well. I find it fascinating sometimes to grab someone like you from the outside because you, you look at it just from a, I don't want to say purely analytical standpoint, but mm -hmm. you, you don't have any real skin in the game. You're not a stars employee. You're no. working for a paper. You're independent, <laughs> which is very rare in, in today's world. Like I was looking at the, the press room yesterday and like, I think nine of the 14 people in the press room all work for the stars mm -hmm. in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so you, and, and yet, I mean, you have to have a relationship within, uh, the group and with fans, you know, if Heike was here, we'd have this discussion right now. Mike Heike, uh, serves our fandom and he, he makes no bones about it. I mean, he answers their inquiries whenever he can and is sort of the conduit between, uh, the two entities. Who do you serve? So it's a question I've thought she thought about a lot, um, even back to Florida, because you know, being in Florida, being in Dallas, you're a hockey writer in a non-traditional news market, or non-traditional hockey market for a newspaper. See, so now, Gary Bettman says there are no non-traditional okay. markets okay. anymore. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, really, I, I serve three different audiences, right? One is the Dallas Stars, like diehard fans, you know, because people who go to DallasStars.com don't need to like, don't need to find the stars, right? right. People who go to DallasNews.com or the, and read the Dallas Morning News have to navigate. They, they might not, might not like be searching out star stuff and they'll just be on the, the sports kind of site and say, oh, there's something stars here. So, so I, I serve the, the Dallas Stars diehards. They'll be there the entire time. Then there's the DFW sports fans who will check in on the Cowboys every day. <laughs> they'll check in on Luca. They'll see other things and they'll, they'll check in on the stars beginning of the season, end of the season, playoff time, right? And then there's the, so those people just want to know pretty much how are the stars doing? Yeah. If, if you walk into a bar. Give me the cliff notes, if right? If you walk into a bar and there's a DFW sports fan, they say, how are the stars doing? I should be able to, to answer that in an article for them. So those are two audiences. And the third one is just people in general. People who don't care about sports in Dallas. Uh, who don't care about the wins and losses of the stars, who just want to know some things about the people. And every now and then a good human interest story comes up and that'll be something to, to do for that audience. So it, it's really like a funnel almost. You know, yeah, that's a good way of putting the, it. The biggest audience is the people who don't really care about sports in general, but they'll be there for, they're the biggest audience, but they'll only be there for a little bit of the time. The smallest audience is probably the stars diehards, but they're, every everything you write so is it so, hard to write for different 
audiences then? A, in a, a little not bit. Not audiences, but I guess yeah. readers. Yeah, a little bit um, in that sometimes I, I get too in the weeds of, of being maybe too into video and analytics and stuff like that. Where, I want to ask you about that. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it. For, for people who like don't care about that, they just want to know what's going on with the stars, they, they kind of tune me out with that. But there's also times where I think I'm maybe too high in terms of 30,000 feet and don't really get into what's actually happening. So there's, there's a balancing act and sometimes I find it, sometimes I don't. So it's a work in progress always. Is, uh, what, what is it like to be writing in such a visual age where, cause I, I guess you include, you have to include some visual with your writing, mm-hmm. right? Nowadays, yeah. not just pictures. Yeah. Uh, so I pretty much write with the assumption that whoever's reading has watched the game. Whereas, hmm. you know, probably old, newspaper habits would say hey you have to describe what happened right. because not everyone watched it but you know, now you can watch highlights you can watch a 30 second clip on twitter you can watch the full game you can go back today this morning and watch last night's game if you want so it's it's so available the video and the understanding of the game that you don't want to explain play by play all the time so that leads into more... You don't want to be matt-splaining the uh, no, night's events? Is no, that what you're saying? Not all the time. Um, but it's just, it becomes more analysis at that point. And um, not, not, to, not to step on, on your toes or Mike's toes, but a little storytelling. You know? You yeah. guys are the storytellers. We don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah, I know. The and I bet you you fight that a little bit too, where you would like to have the endless ability, like, I guess, the athletic with those long forms mm-hmm. and all that, but you, you have confined space still, right? Even on, in the digital world. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm supposed to, at least my, <laughs> my, 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 my editors would probably like me to be a little bit shorter, uh, especially after games on deadline. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it is different for a newspaper where you want to have to be, you want to be a little bit more concise, right? You know, you want to have some economy to your words and, uh, that's not always the case with features and stuff. And there'll be some features we'll all work on and, you know, like give me probably 2000 words, if that, you know, 1500 words, uh, which is enough to do if, if you do it correctly. Um, but sometimes some of the granular details kind of fall by in that, that area, but I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not a big deal to me. If I write too long, they break it up into different headlines online and we go from there. Well, it's like my world is the same, right? Like you mentioned it earlier. We do the whole game. Mm-hmm. With the understanding that there aren't going to be a lot of people are there for the entire three periods in overtime, and there is a a comfort uh, uh, sofa for everyone to go to where you have the game broken up either into just highlights or four minutes of highlights mm-hmm. or six minutes of more of the game highlights. Yeah. I mean, the, the NHL does that, right? They do the full game, they do the condensed highlights, and they do the, the, the smaller, right. smaller highlights all on YouTube and everything. But, yeah. but for us, we don't know when those moments are going to mm-hmm. be, which is good for job preservation. <laughs> and you continue on with that. When you look at it, understanding that, and unfortunately in our world, people just don't want to read entire articles anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you grab them? Uh, yeah. Bubble graphs? You, you try you try to put the most important stuff at the Heat top maps yeah <laughs> some visual aids uh i mean for in terms of writing you try to put the st- most important stuff at the top yeah because they're not going to read don't the bury thing. the lead is that something that something like still that. lives yeah it does yeah. yeah um and visual aids help but 
uh, it's just more like you understand that people aren't reading the whole thing. Yeah. Sadly. Which is, I know. Yeah. But it, it I feel the same way with, (laughs) with our show. It's just like, man, I had some good stuff in there tonight and I know it's not going to hit the highlight reel, but it's there. Yeah. It, when I say zoom interview to you, you say what? I'm glad we're almost done with those. I mean, they're not, they're not. How hard has that been? I mean, you, you know, just, just like me, cause you know, we're used to going in the dressing room and, and talking to them and, and having uh, a bit of a rapport that leads to better conversations and better information being exchanged. And like, I never met Mark Pesic or Sammy Vatnin or, or ever, ever. Like they were here. They played. Yeah. I, I saw them. They never saw yeah. me. They heard my voice. They, they heard, uh, you know, the PR staff go, Matt DeFrance, it's your next on mute. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm glad that they're they're kind of gone, and even the, the format we have right now, where they're pulling guys out of the room, it's it's still you can still have smaller conversations on the side, and they see your face, you can look them in the eye, and have uh well, they can see your eyes, they can't see your whole face. This is you true. Have a mask on. This is true. Uh, but I mean, you can have a little bit more of uh, a feel and a connection with that in person versus on Zoom, which was I felt like the Wizard of Oz. Yes, you know. It's like who's the man behind the curtain, and no one knows. <laughs> so and, and the the players themselves were awkward with it because they're not used to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was daily, like it was so much for them, along with all the other stuff they were dealing with. Man, it, what what a painful tenure. Yeah, it's it's just tough because I think for players too, they want to look at the person who they're talking to, right. Like that's what some that's what happens now. Where you ask a question, you have eye contact, you you talk to them and have a normal conversation. But you know, with Zoom, it was looking at a camera that was in a room in a where no one was around on the event level in a half. But you got building. announced a lot. Yeah. Matt DeFranks, Dallas Morning News. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you uh, back your your predecessors. Uh, you know, Tim Kalashaw, When I first started here, was the Stars beat writer and that I called him Poison Pen. Mm-hmm. Lots of people did. Yeah, I'm sure you weren't the only one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he he I think embraces that still does today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had that great line though, and he was terrific at it. Uh, where if you're gonna write something critical or go after an individual, mm-hmm. you go and show up there the next day. Well, Zoom sort of allowed a lot of people. I think in in your business, my business, you could just tee off on people, yeah. and there was no accountability. Mm-hmm. You never had to go and face them or explain yourself yep. the next day uh what what, you, what is your uh, sort of rules of engagement with that have you lived by the same thing where uh, yeah or do you just are you not that acerbic in your writing or i mean i i every now and then it comes out i probably guys are pretty thin-skinned from time to time though oh yeah i mean they they know what happens on twitter you know yeah exactly I, you know i think my first couple of years here like that that's that sort of stuff happened when they were struggling and, and I wrote something and the next day I show up in the dressing room and there's a little chat with someone. Um, and like that, it, it's also healthy both ways. You know, I want to agree. I want to understand why you're upset and, and you want to air out your grievances to someone who was critical. And I get it. That's fine. Like I, I would rather that be in the air versus kind of just letting it simmer for a while. Like that's, that's not, healthy do you have a stock anyone. rebuttal to players? over um, that stuff or? not really i mean each case is kind of kind of different and sometimes it catches you off guard and it's like i wasn't you don't want to go to them and say that. Eh, that's that's fair and that's fine but when i write something like just glowing of you 
please seek me out and tell me how great I am too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I also think I try to be as fair and professional right. as I can. Right. You know, and it's like, I, I don't take personal shots. Uh, that's just out of bounds. And then, like, they know when they're not playing well for the most part. And they don't feel like they, if they feel like they are playing well and I say that they're not, then I, I don't know what to tell them at that point. But well, that's I, when you pull out the bubble graphs. Yeah. Do you not? Do you like those? Do you like, like heat maps and bubble graphs and all that? Um, I don't understand them enough, to, so I just a, skip over them. We mock what we don't understand, you know, Matt. <laughs> to a degree, um, I think it's helpful to look at where shots are coming from and how frequent they are coming from those places. But I don't think they tell the whole story a lot of the time. So it's it's a tool, you yeah. know. It's analytics in general are another tool. They're not the end all. They're not. They're not everything. Just like maybe scouting or video isn't everything, you know, talking to people is part of it. Like it's, it's part, it's a part of the toolbox, but it's not everything. And I appreciate understanding kind of different sides of the game. And so like the way I look at it in analytics in general is you have to accept that this game is, is based on luck sometimes. This game more than probably any other, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, Baseball has a degree to it where, you know, maybe you hit a hard hit ball right at a guy and hockey, you have a wide open chance and the goalie makes a great save. And you have to understand that that luck plays a big part of it. And that's why sometimes maybe goals for and against don't tell how great a team is playing. Right. So like last night in particular or the Los Angeles game, like those results should have been flipped. Right. 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 And one position can mess a lot of things up in our sport. And so when, when you look at, how a team is playing and you want to say how well they're playing or how poorly they're playing or how much they're dominating the game. It, you, I like to be able to quantify it in terms of, you know, shot attempts or shots on goal or, um, I know the different models have different expected goals and they can't all be right because if, if one of them is right, the rest of them is wrong. <laughs> you right. But they're, they're helpful to look at where kind of the game flow is at and understand who's doing what, uh, at a different level. I mean, your eyes can tell you one thing, you know, like, like let's take Rope Hints for an example this year. His, his on-ice numbers are, are great in terms of driving play and possession. Um, but we see him create scoring chances and hit glass behind the net pretty often. So there's a disconnect there where you say, well, maybe he's just been unlucky. Maybe he hasn't had the, the same puck luck that he has in previous seasons. And the other side says, he just needs to hit the net more, right? And so the analytics crowd says, it's coming, it's coming. And the other side says, he needs to be better. And there's, there's, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. Right? Always. So like that's, it's just a tool that, that I look at in, yeah. in terms of. I think that's how uh, coaching staffs and, and hockey departments in general uh, have come to use it. You mm-hmm. can't, can't lead with it. You just can't. Not in this sport for all those right. reasons you, you just brought up. And there, there is the, uh, I, I sort of hug and and believe in the the quote that the analytics in general are the pursuit of being absolutely correct to the benefit of nobody okay (laughs) because it i mean you you can sit there and nerd out and say that this is the absolute gospel truth here but it what is that what does it truly help within a, a game that is as free flowing and random as as hockey is and that's why your statement that it's somewhere in between is it's a point it's a it's a 
connection of the two sides is where we're at and yeah. where we should be. And, and I think sometimes there's, they're saying the same thing just in different words, right? So if you're, if you're looking at some, like let's, let's take Rope again, right? And you're, and you're saying the same thing like, well, oh, well, he's just unlucky and oh, well, he, he needs to hit the net more. They're both saying the same thing in that he's creating scoring chances and he's creating offense and the finish needs to be there. But what that does not include though, Matt, and you know this, is that his hair was shorn in the summer <laughs> and therefore the uh, Samson, Samson effect yeah. has come into play. Where does, is that fall on the analytics side or on the other? Oh, that's, that's I think it might or is be. is it his own? It might be like a. It's a, a three piece pie now all of a could sudden. Could be like a, like a hair per 60 or something. I don't know. Uh, you wrote a, a terrific article on, on Jason Robertson last year because you guys share the fact that you're both Filipino American. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I didn't read it because it was paywall. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's a delightful young guy who is, has an opportunity, I would think too, right? From your perspective mm-hmm. to be a bit of a, he might be too young for it. Does he fully embrace the fact that he could be kind of the face, the front wave of Asian players in, in this game? I think when, so when I talked to him, you know, a year or two ago, it was when he was, was still- Was it two years ago? God, time is uh, just It was some, some development camp at some point. <laughs> I don't remember. But it was, he was before he made his NHL debut. And so I think at that point, he, it was kind of theoretical oh, okay. uh, in his mind that, hey, like I, I could be, you know, uh, I guess the second Filipino American to, to be in the NHL and kind of have a- um, Lays a path for for Asians in general coming from Los Angeles for like he is yeah. where there's a lot of Asian Americans in Los Angeles area, uh, and I'm sure a lot of them don't play hockey. A lot of them probably play play basketball, right? So I think now he probably might view it a little bit differently um, in that he has broken out. He's now a, you know, a Calder Calder Trophy runner up. His brother is is right there as well. Um, so I, I think he probably does view it a little bit differently and it is cool to see kind of some representation from the Filipino community, which you don't really see it too, too often. I think. What do we need to know about the Filipino culture? Uh, the biggest thing is food. Yes. To me, you know, so, so my mom is Filipino. She, she came to, to Miami uh, for graduate school and we just stayed there. So, um, she did a lot of the cooking when I was growing up and a lot of it was Filipino food. And so, I've picked up some of those skills, uh, making some, really? sp- man, making some spring rolls, um, called lumpia, uh, mm. in the Philippines. I'll, I'll, I'll bring some to morning state. I, I got some, I can fry up. Good. Um, and then there's a, a dish called chicken adobo, which is essentially some soy sauce and vinegar, some garlic, um, and some bay leaf. It's pretty simple, but it's, it's something that I feel kind of takes me back home a little bit, like, because I've been here for, I guess it's my fourth year now. Um, you know, sometimes I miss, I miss home. I miss Miami and can't find Filipino takeout here. Very uh, there, often, there or? are, there are places up in Plano and Frisco. Um, but I just really need to go to the Asian market. There's an Asian market in, in Carrollton that has you know, whatever you'd want from the Asian cuisine perspective. And so if I go there and walk around, I'll see some snacks from when I was four years old and be like, Oh yeah, I remember those <laughs> or, or, you know, some, some other things that I would use to, to make Filipino food. So that's when I, if I'm feeling a little bit like I'm missing home, I'll just go there, make some food, and it'll feel feel much better at that point. But that's how I mostly connect through Filipino culture. I've only been there twice into the Philippines, 
um, once when I was two, once when I was in high school. You want to go back? Yeah. I mean, I, I still have an aunt that lives there, an aunt and a few cousins. Um, I have an aunt that lives in Thailand as well. So uh, we don't go over to Asia a ton and they don't come over to America a ton. But you know, hopefully uh, next year I'm getting married. So hopefully they'll come over for oh, that. Yeah. Hey. Yes. You'll have family come in yeah. for that. I'm Irish. So it's basically Guinness and fighting for me. <laughs> that's, my, that's my world. Uh, uh, let's look at the broader sense, the, the league here before we shut mm-hmm. it down. How are we on time, Jordan? We're doing great. The, uh, there have been teams that have just absolutely sprinted out of the blocks at the beginning of the season and some that are struggling. Uh, the Stars are kind of middling in that area. I guess mm-hmm. they'd fall more toward the struggles just be, because the potential is there for um, much better than what they are here seven games into the season but what do you make of of the struggling teams this would be our trick-or-treat segment in a way okay so uh the trickers would be those that are that are not as good in the opening month as everyone prognosticated they would be i would put the avalanche at the yeah. at the head mm-hmm. of that group along with the leafs uh at the, the stars are on the fringe of that even the la kings although they have reasons for it they run into a major injury with dowdy that happened in dallas but w- what do you make of the avs struggles in the early season yeah it's uh it's been t- i mean they've had some COVID issues um but it's been weird to see them kind of sputter out whether two four and one now or They're two and four two and four yeah yeah uh it's been weird to see that because they have been such a good team for the last few years uh and Do you think the expectation thing is leaning on them a little bit along with, I, I agree, the COVID thing disrupted them? Yeah, I, I think a, a little bit, but they've been dealing with these expectations yeah, true, true. for a while. I mean, uh, maybe they've always, they've always been a good regular season team. You, know, you can say whatever you want about them in the second round, but they've always been the good regular season team when they won President Trophy last year. Is that Vegas? Don't ask me anything about last year or even the previous year. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I've I, wiped it out of my they're, mind. There's there's surprising and, and especially you know I think the the most surprising game for me for them was that Florida game. Yeah, where Florida beat them. Florida's going to be on the other side of our trick and treat. Yes, I mean, are they going to go eighty two and zero? I don't know. <laughs> well, they've got some stuff to deal with apparently. They do. Uh, they do now too. The 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 issue with the Avalanche is a little bit the other end of the rink. From the issue of the stars, I mean, their goals against average is over three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know they can score a lot, but you're ne- we went we lived it a little bit here. Uh, you're not going to win when it matters, allowing three goals a game. You just won't. Yeah, and that's the that was a big question coming into the year. You replace Grubauer with Kemper, and then and then what happens? And I I think we're starting to see a little bit right now. I mean, Kemper was good in Arizona when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's ever been asked to be the guy on a Stanley Cup contender. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, there might be a little bit of an adjustment too. I, Mm -hmm. you know, guys get brought in and get billboarded as that, and then they put too much pressure on themselves, and especially youngish, first time he's really uh, been thrust into a position like that. The treat, you mentioned the Panthers. I would put uh, the Caps, the Blues, uh, the Canes, in that cat. I mean. I don't know what to make of Buffalo and, and Detroit yeah, yeah. out of the gates, but I don't think that's sustainable to you. No, uh, no. no. Th- those two teams should not be. The Hurricanes, to me, are the, the biggest surprise from that group. 
just because I mean they remade their team over the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I they're mean, five and zero. Oh. I mean they re- they remade their goaltending too. Yes. Yeah. He's got a one point six goals against <laughs> average, Freddie Anderson. Like, <laughs> I'm sure Toronto loves that. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, they. I mean, you could talk about the Leafs forever, and they do on every network in Canada, <laughs> every podcast. Yes, except this one. <laughs> it's just all about the Leafs and Mitch Marner. Uh, but the the Hurricanes, they're five and zero. Oh. Aho and Svechnikov have have almost scored as many goals as the Stars have scored. Mm-hmm. Like they have nine combined goals, the two of them, and then they they don't give anything up. Freddie Anderson's played every game. I, I would I, I I thought they would struggle a little bit early. N- not this. They, that's not struggling. Yeah, because you wondered how much losing Hamilton yeah. would would bother them, and losing you know their entire goal. They're replacing Mrazic and. And like how much Medelkovic is yeah, in Detroit, right? And how much it would it would impact them, and it it really yeah, hasn't. Motor on, you know? yeah. Which I think is probably a testament to, to Rod Brendamore, um, yes, and agreed. what he's been able to do there the last few years too. And and that speaks to a culture, right? Like they whatever that culture is there, they they built it and they believe in it. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the front man for it, and uh, they they play uh, for him. And they play the way he wants them to play consistently. And they, yeah, they. they play, we saw him too much last year. Yeah, but they they play that they played that style for a few years, just getting a lot of pucks towards the yeah. net and relying on your your skill forwards and your skill defensemen to to do that. They're probably a, one of the better mixes of because he's such a. I mean, he is as high energy. I think Bones is high energy. He's mm-hmm. like <laughs> high energy, and it, there there's a, a work ethic that is within their group that's when it falls off it's unacceptable and yet they i would think would be a heavy analytics group oh, too yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think in the front office they're they were one of the few to hire like a, a analytics only guy i think uh, to, to kind of run things from that perspective and like their their on ice numbers reflects heavy analytics like their shot attempts are, are have always been pretty high right I don't know whether they're sustainable either, but yeah. Let's talk about our stars and finish it up here. What what is your fear for this team and and what would be your sort of Panglossian prognostication view of what they can be? Uh my fear going into the year was about goaltending. I didn't know how much they would be getting and how good it would be. Um or who it would be? Or who it would be? Uh, that's kind of been eased a little bit in, in the first two weeks. Man, hope he's been good. Uh, yeah, so good. But now my fear is that instead of using the power play and goaltending as supplements to their game to win games, you're just wholly reliant on it. That's they're wholly reliant on it, and that's kind of what it's been. They haven't scored a five and five. They have relied on what nine fifty from Braden Holpe yes. before the Columbus game, and you know even after that when he was. Fine, but he wasn't the same as he was the first few games. They're three and three. Um, it's it's worrisome that they rely too much on the on special teams and goaltending, uh, whereas their their five on five just isn't producing. So that's that's my worry that the, the goals don't come. Over reliant on the two aspects of the game that are the most volatile, and then they they kind of kind of hover in the in the middle of the central division somewhere in there somewhere. That's that's my biggest bane the middling you mm-hmm. know fourth fifth in the division 16th 17th overall i so desperately want them to just jettison up 
to where it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. They can comfortably move their way into a playoff spot and and build belief. Yeah, and and in this scenario, like if what if it's the the bottom of the middle, right? What if it's fifth or sixth place in the central? What happens at the trade deadline? And I think that becomes more of a of a storyline if they're not in a playoff position or not in striking distance or they have an injury or something because they're an older team and injuries happen they're to older oldest. teams. Yeah, injuries happen to, to old teams and they're the oldest. So you're going to have to deal with an injury or two along the way. It's just going to happen. Um, so you wonder how that would affect a team that is already kind of maybe relying too much on the most <laughs> the two most volatile aspects <laughs> of hockey. Um, the, the other side is... Tyler Sagan gets going after a few games uh, coming back from surgery. Alexander Radulov, Ripa hints the same thing. Um, Jason Robertson's only played one game. Klingberg's played two. And maybe in a month, that all comes together and they start scoring. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the other side. That's the optimistic side that you can see happening. Mm-hmm. You, haven't, you haven't had evidence of it happening before, but you, you wonder, is it, well... Maybe it's the law of eventuality coming into play too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fourth, that the, in the, the, analytics the fourth year is the charm. <laughs> um, so it, you wonder if if that happens. Um, and I think it's you make it. You could talk yourself into it uh, in your head, just given that this is a real world things that people deal with. You know, it's you're dealing with your bodies, you're dealing with ups and downs of injuries and stuff like that, and getting comfortable. I mean, we saw it. I guess two years ago, one seven and one, and then the next three months they were the best team in the NHL. So the Stars team in particular has shown that they are not always the same team at the start. Last year they're four and zero. They're not. They're not the same team throughout the full seasons. Yeah, like, there yeah. are these wild swings of eleven. What are they? Eleven straight with points and mm-hmm. seven wins in a row, and and then they lose eight of nine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just it. So what a roller coaster. It's tough to forecast where this season's going because an injury or two could derail it and that's possible, or it could all come together. Um and they could be challenging yeah. for, you know, yep. up there in, in the central division. So the I guess my biggest fear, and I've I've tried to just knock this out of the back of my head with the first six games with the struggles to score, is are these starting to look like the pre pandy stars that we saw? prior to COVID shutting things down there where they lost six in a row. Mm -hmm. Two of those were, one was in overtime, one was a shootout, I think. And they scored like eight goals in those six games. Despite the fact that they had, you know, boatloads of scoring chances. They just couldn't finish anything, right? Then they had the pause and then Bones had a mini training camp and they got the D a little more involved and they hit every trick in the bubble up there and ran to the Stanley Cup final, which is so Dallas Stars-like, right? Mm-hmm. Just wild swings from one end to the other. <laughs> well, remember the round-robin round? Yes! Like <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, oh my God, they're not going to be in Edmonton for very long. Like that game against Vegas, it was like, well, what, is, what is happening here I know. in that third period? Uh, yeah. So, so I, then you, you, you fast forward to the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. and they played seven games. They have three wins, all in overtime, and they've scored, what, 13 goals? In seven games, Not and, a lot. and you're just it, you're sitting there, and it's it's like no, this can't be the same. But you're like it's kind of looking similar. So that that that's my fear. But maybe I shouldn't be so fearful of it because the swing is going to come back the other way. That's what they always do. So just endure this for a little while, and then they'll get rolling again. And I agree with what you see 
as possibilities for them down the road where, cause they're, they're kind of built to be a team that can have great success once they get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Now getting there, you would hope would be a little easier than, you know, just scratching and clawing for three, two wins and two, one victories in overtime and shootouts to get there and get enough points in the Western conference. And, uh, because they're, they're experienced, they're motivated, you know, the, the, uh, veteran guys, I mean, their days are not, uh, decades, mm-hmm. right. chances to win again. Uh, they have a talented mix. You would think at least on paper and you would think on the ice of veteran guys that still have something left to give and young guys who are not, you're not just looking at them and saying, well, we hope they can play in the NHL and they might be able to, we've seen, they, they can be, you know, pretty elite NHL players. So you have that slam together there. It, it, it's all in front of them. They just have, have to make it happen. And I, I'm not a real big fan of just get in. I'm not, I do I, not, I'm I've never, ever liked that, that, that mentality. So I, I looked at this, uh, maybe I think last year because it was at the trade deadline. I was like, well. They didn't make a move, and there's the, the thought was if you can get in, you can maybe make a run. You get some healthy bodies back, you make a run. And I looked, and I think every cup winner in the last since like the Quick Kings when he was when he carried them in 2010. Nope, not 2010. Uh, whenever it was the Quick Kings. Um, twelve. Twelve. Whatever. Know that was. one for sure. Yeah. Twelve. Uh, Fourteen. That sound right? No. It might have been twelve, but anyway. All of those, those cup winners were a top 10 regular season team in the previous three years. Like mm. these, these just don't come out of nowhere. It, these are good teams that maybe got unlucky in not winning before San Jose, Vancouver versus bad teams that got lucky and won. And so you aim for the middle, you aim for the just get in, you're going to miss sometimes. And if you make it, you might catch lightning in a bottle, but if you aim for the middle, it's you set yourself up for a lot of variability. I agree in terms of making the playoffs and going on a run. I agree. I want I want the bar a little higher. Yeah, and uh, I I think it's I I think it's attainable. Uh, I think it's a good carrot to dangle in front of a team and individuals. You know, don't just don't just get in. Don't just be satisfied with that. Push a little harder and and uh, sort of like. Uh, Tom Brady going down to Tampa. Mm-hmm. I think I think he doesn't want to just get in. I mean, he's he's like we're gonna all lift up. Everyone's gonna be better, and we're gonna win the mm-hmm. whole thing. Right. And and I think it's I don't think it's the the players that say you know let's let's just get in, let's aim for the middle. And I think it, it might be just a little bit of roster construction where you say hey let's let's make the playoffs and build for the playoffs. But if you're building a playoff team during during the regular season you might be aiming towards the middle, just in that thinking there. All that said, it's not easy to make the playoffs in the National Hockey League in 2021. It is not. It's only half the teams now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. point. All right. What are you going to be for Halloween? Naughty nurse? Uh, You're going to go with this? (laughs) So so this is, I had this discussion with, uh, with my fiance, Mary, the other day. So she wants to be Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Yes. She is 
blonde, so she could be Tammy Taylor. I, however, yeah, you're gonna have to. I I don't know if I if I can I fit Kyle Chandler. <laughs> so so I'll have to have to figure that out. I have to shave my beard and oh, put on a don't do that Panther football something. So we'll see. We'll figure I, it I out. I don't want you to get offended by this, but every time I see the Keeps.com commercial, I th- I think of you. Because the guy has a ball cap on. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, Pat the Franks. <laughs> Hat to Franks. Yeah, Hat to Franks. Hat to Franks. Well, perhaps the, the team can get their collective act together against Canada, Canadian teams and in Western Canada. Are you going? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not. Yeah. So you report back to us, please, from my homeland. I'll, I'll let you know the most about Winnipeg. I know you're, you're going <laughs> to no, miss, you can skip you're gonna miss Winnipeg. Tell me about Vancouver. <laughs> uh, thank you to uh, Maddie, Matt, Matthew, DeFranks for coming in early and doing this with me. It was interesting. Yeah, how'd you get to I like getting that yeah. background and perspective and the independent, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to stand up and say Trent Krim, the independent now? Or is that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how do you say goodbye in Filipino? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>